what was your conversation with Mike Norvell like upon getting hired at Florida State? Yeah, just kind of initially leading up and going through the process of what what he wanted to build and, you know, just kind of the general vision of everything that we wanted to create to kind of mock like an NFL, you know, personnel department off the field support roles and, you know, just kind of redesigning and, and himself and Bruce Warwick and kind of being part of those conversations of, you know, what we wanted to create. You look across the off the field roles, you know, we created a bunch of spots and thankful for the administration of supporting that goal. Uh, from the president on down, but just kind of restructuring some ideals and really trying to modernize what our department looked like for modern college football. And I talked about this in one of my first interviews, you know, you look at like who started this trend and it would look no further than what happened with Nick Saban in Alabama. And everyone's been kind of point, adapting from there. And, you know, there's just so much has changed. And even, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago of what college football is becoming from the recruiting, from the evaluation, from the transfer portal, from the customer service and the visit side, you need all hands on deck. But what comes with that is just having an open flow of communication all around. And that takes people to operate correctly. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear. Presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here's the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here live on a beautiful Wednesday evening here in Tallahassee, Florida. We've got another great guest for you guys this week. We're on a roll a little bit. Last week, we had Florida State's quarterbacks coach, Tony Tokars. This week, we've got Florida State's general manager of personnel, Derek Ray. Derek, appreciate you hopping on with us on Here the Spear. How's your evening going? Yeah, it's going great. Appreciate you all having me and look forward to this. Yeah, man. So how what's... What's going on with you right now? Because I think we we asked the same thing with Tony last week. Once football season ends, it feels like maybe to the fans, things get a lot more quiet and chillaxed. But I have a feeling definitely on your side of things, it's not so relaxed. But what is it on your side going on right now? Yeah, you know, obviously our coaches are on the road right now for during the contact period, kind of getting um, a head start on the class of 24 and other ones making their swings through different schools and you know, recruiting never stops and it's always ongoing, um, you know, and we're looking, getting our guys settled. Obviously we, we, we started last week going, going with our first tour of duty and, and getting a look at, you know, this year's 2023 team and starting to get in the run of it. And I know coach storms and his staff have, have their arms around them and, you know, starting that development process as we geared up to head out, head towards spring ball. Kind of crazy, but you're quickly coming up on a year since you, took the GM role at Florida State. So just what's it been like over this period, acclimating to work with new people and, and also into this uh, role as general manager? Yeah, thankful to be around great people, um, first and foremost, all the way down, you know, from 
Coach Norvell, leadership, Michael Alford, and President McCullough. Um, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention just how great of a staff that we have together and the amount of low egos and everyone working towards the common goal. But transition to Tallahassee and moving 3,000 miles away from where I previously was, you know, I couldn't I couldn't be more thankful for the experience I've had uh, leading up to it and kind of going through it. And it's hard to believe it's been a year already because it's, you know, I look back and there's sometimes I feel like I've been here for 10, but then there's times where I feel like, gosh, it's feels like I just got here yesterday. Um, so excited to be part of this thing and very happy to look forward to the future of what this can be. Before we talk about Mike Norvell, what is Michael Alford like behind the scenes? Because we get to see him on Twitter and, you know, we've been able to talk with him quite a bit as a media person, but on that, you know, getting to know him now for about a year, what, what's it been like working with him behind him and a lot of things and projects? Yeah, great, you know, great person, great leader, has a great vision for the university and just, you know, is the type of person who can walk into a room and relate to anyone and strike up a conversation and, you know, is going to treat you like a regular person. Um, and so thankful for his leadership and the vision. Um, but there's so many people involved in, in this that it really takes everyone to go the direction you wanted and ultimately what his vision and Coach Marvell's vision is for the program. Probably going to jump around here a good bit, but shortly before we hopped on here, Florida State officially announced the hire of Patrick Sertain. So just with his ties to the NFL, his ties as a high school coach um, down in South Florida, what do you feel like he brings uh, to the staff? Yeah, relationships, knowledge, and obviously everyone dreams of coming to a place like Florida State and having the career he does in the NFL and the way he carries himself and, you know, his his opportunity to, re to relate to young people and to our young man in the room just to say, hey, these, this is how I did it. And maybe just his experiences as he's had and leading on um, his past just to to really, you know, showcase this is how to do it. This is how it looks like. This is what it looks like. And I'm not just telling you, like I went through it at the highest level, at the all pro level and had that long of a career, really being dominant at the position he played for so many years. You know, it's funny because I was talking with him today and I told him, I was like, you know, when I was younger playing Madden, like you were the first pick I wanted when you could do the fantasy <laughs> draft, build your own team. Like mm -hmm. you were it. Like, so um, I got out of my starstruck really quickly, but. <laughs> going, going to minor bell. Let's, let's talk about minor bell here because I feel like what he did this last off season really put y'all in a good uh, chain, like a good spot to where y'all perform well on the field in, in 2022. And then we'll see what y'all do this off season. But a lot of that off the field hires that Magner Bell did, including you really helped a ton on the back end of things. And I don't think a lot of the listeners and the fans really understand what some of the people do on the back end. And, you know, what was your conversation with Mike Norvell like upon getting hired at Florida state? Yeah. Just kind of initially leading up and going through the process of what, what he wanted to build and, you know, just kind of the general vision of everything that we wanted to create to kind of mock like an NFL, you know, personnel department off the field support roles and, you know, just kind of redesign it and, and himself and Bruce Warwick and kind of being part of those conversations of, you know, what we wanted to create. You look across the off the field roles, you know, we created a bunch of spots and thankful for the administration of supporting that goal uh, from the president on down, but just kind of restructuring some ideals and really trying to modernize what our department looked like for modern college football. And I talked about this in one of my first interviews, you know, you look at like who started this trend and it would look no further than what happened with Nick Saban in Alabama. And everyone's been kind of point adapting from there. And, you know, there's just so much has changed. And even, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago of what 
college football is becoming from the recruiting, from the evaluation, from the transfer portal, from the customer service and the visit side, you need all hands on deck. But what comes with that is just having an open flow of communication all around. And that takes people to operate correctly. I was going to ask, you know, it feels like you have your hands in so many different pots as far as on the recruiting trail. And we see you out at practices observing as well. Can you just kind of break down a little bit of what the general manager of personnel does at Florida State kind of day to day? Just what are some of the main things that you focus on in your role? Yeah, there's four four different areas that are kind of are the macro areas of things. And and what first of all, you know, you have your identification, right? Identification of prospects or other members that can come on the roster. Um, your second part of this is evaluation. And so that can take place whether evaluation you have external or internal is kind of the way I look at it. And so internal being whatever's on your team, whatever's around the program in those areas. And then obviously external is anything that you have the chance to bring in, whether it be from one of the three avenues of high school recruiting, JUCO recruiting, or the transfer portal, uh, and just attacking all areas. The third part is really the customer service aspect, which is what recruiting has turned into. I've kind of, visits have become like all inclusive vacations all the time between photo shoots, between the experience it needing to be different and how to be different than everyone in your surrounding peers, right? As far as just making it just a little bit different and a little bit better each time, right? Something that's new, something that they can have fun with, always smiling, having a great experience. And that's customer service, right? Like if the four of us went on an all-inclusive vacation and we went to the concierge desk, we would expect to be greeted with service with a smile. We would expect to have a great experience and everything to be on point. Otherwise, we might not have a great experience. And that's the same thing when guys are on visits with their families. We want to create those experiences. And then the fourth is the marketing component. And so everything you know, for graphics and things that we're working with, you know, uh, Derek Satterfield on everything that we're marketing the correct way on social media, um, our mailing campaign. And I'd be remiss if it wasn't, it's not just, there's so many great staff that I'm surrounded by and that I have the opportunity to work with that head up each of those departments, you know, from Chuck Canner in our personnel department with Michael Zerby and Jeremy Smith. And then you have our two, our scouting department, John Garrett and Justin Krause uh, heading up the offensive and defensive side of the ball, our high school relations group with Gerard Ross, Ryan Bardo and Kiwan Ratliff to our recruiting operations department with Maddie, Madison McCormick, Jenna Kinker and Haley Carter really kind of heading up all those areas. And then Adam Van Clay, who's our director of recruiting, working with our graphics and our video team, Mike Gerzebeck, Mitchell Miller, Calvin Bridges um, and Garrett Goodwin. I, it, there's a lot of people that it takes to make this run effectively. And so I just try not to get in the way. <laughs> so I just say, I, I'm over here like nerding out all the kind of stuff going on behind the scenes it intrigues me so much. I mean, amount of work that you're putting on in the behind the scenes, because we really just see like we were just talking about in the production meeting before you see Dustin or some of the other guys on the beat sitting out there taking the photos of the guys before they go in. But that just, it seems that's a big weekend ahead of a heavy schedule for not only the recruits there for photo shoots. They've got all kinds of things with meetings with coaches, watching film, yada, yada. But also the families are there. You know, you've got family siblings to also take care of during that. And there's so many things that go on that are very intricate throughout a weekend, a day. You get half a day alone. you got to try to crunch in as much things possible. But what, what do you think ma is making you all different? Because it seems like you are trending in a really good direction for these relationships that are being built because you're seeing a lot of these high profile recruits are coming in, you know, they're, they're picking Florida state. They're having in the top two, top three. 
And in and, and years past and, you know, three or four years ago, that just wasn't the case. What do you think, you know, under Mike Norvell and what you are doing along with the other staff are doing right or at least different right now that is helping y'all in that case? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing you want to be is authentic and real. And so not try like I think so many times people forget what it was like when we were all 17, 18, 19 years old and you're getting recruited and it was easy to sell and look through people who weren't being real. And so at the end of the day, no matter what the experience is, trying to be authentic and genuine and creating that family atmosphere and just being true to yourself, you don't have to be anything different than you are. It might not fit everyone at that time, but just being true because at the end of the day, that truth is going to come out and that's going to play in the, in the long run. And so I think we always try to act like who we are. We don't try to put on a Hollywood show or anything in between and just try to be regular people because that's all we are. And just making sure everyone understands the message where, hey, you're going to get coached, coached hard. You're going to get pushed hard to be the best version of yourself. And at the end of it, all of those results will take care of themselves if you do that that way. And it's, it seems to be paying off because in a day and age where the transfer portal has kind of revolutionized uh, college football right now, according to a lot of recruiting services, Florida State has the number one transfer portal class in the country. So when you guys are going through your evaluations, how do you find that balance between taking guys from the high school level and then also saving spots to pursue players whenever they decide to enter the transfer portal? Yeah, it's always a balance. I think you look at your constant roster management and that's a you know, every day, sometimes every hour conversation between coach and I, uh, just understanding what our needs, whether they be immediate or projected for next year, the year after the following year, and just kind of seeing where each person fits, because they're all different parts of the equation. It's not just, hey, this player plays position X, and he fits in right here because we have this need. It's, well, how many years does he have left? What is his immediately, how much more upside does he have? Is he going to stay for one, two, three all of those play a factor, but ultimately the portal has created to, you can address it to what's your best avenue to win next year, right? Cause it's all about next year, next year, next year, but you want to also encompass that. And how can you develop what's currently on your roster? I think the game has changed so much now. Recruiting is just as important, but retention has become the most important part after you recruit them. Cause once you recruit them and you've hit and you've identified them, you need to make sure they retain themselves on the roster too. Because after you develop them, you've invested so much, you better make sure they end up staying there too. Are you so when it goes into something like this and you're going through the numbers, you're sitting down with the coaching staff, Mike Norvell. What does that look like? Kind of just kind of going through an Excel sheet or something like that of the numbers, at least trying to keep all those numbers together. Cause I couldn't imagine now what the transfer portal things change all the time, left and right, and who fits where depth wise. And do you need this at this position? What does that look like? An Excel sheet with Mike Norvell? Yeah, um, there's a couple different sheets that we use, just kind of our roster tracker and always have an ongoing conversation with our compliance department between, you know, with Grant Eskew and Tasha Fisher, making sure we're on point with our numbers, but also what's projected, what initials might be there. You know, we haven't had to worry about initials or signee numbers that may be coming back the next year. Um, we'll see what the NCAA decides to do um, for that area. But just really, you know, hey, these are immediate needs, but it can change day to day. So it's important. It's not just, hey, we're always going to have a formal meeting. It might be a five-minute conversation one day. It might be a two-hour meeting another. But we're always going to have some sort of communication, you know, daily or sometimes multiple times during the day just to make sure we both are on the same page and see it kind of the same way. 
And I guess sticking with those with those processes a little bit, you know, over the last, I guess, month or so, six weeks, whenever Mike Norvell started those exit meetings with the roster in December and, and they got a chance to meet with their coordinator and position coach, how involved were you in that process as well with uh, providing feedback to guys? Uh, as much as as much as I needed to be, um, whether it be, you know, in various scenarios of, you know, specific guys wanting feedback from the NFL on kind of where they stood, uh, but also, you know, getting feedback on what they could do better and then working with our coaching staff to make the best decision for for our players in the room, not for us. Right. Not selfishly. Like what could be the best decision for that individual's players, player scenario? And it shouldn't ever just be a selfish self-fulfilling deal of this is what we want or this is what the coaching staff wants what can we do best for the players future and really those are some of those conversations and you know painting some of those pictures some of those conversations are are easier some of them are become a little harder but at the end of the day we want to make sure we tell the truth because that's what we've promised i want to bring up a player to jared verse you know a guy that's going to stay for another season fsc fans super excited about that but going into the transfer portal at albany state and ends up picking minor Vell, it seemed like you know Jared really liked the way that Mike Norvell brought, you know, just the tenacity and also just being true, true to him and telling him, you know, admitting what is going to go on at Florida State, the progress that they're making, the process. But how fun was that just going through that recruitment with Jared Verse and then also getting him for another season in 2023? Yeah, well, I was uh, I remember walking in the first time for the first tour of duty because I wasn't here for Jared's recruitment. Mm -hmm. And so but I knew who Jared Verse was as soon as he entered the portal and I remember looking at Jersey number five and I'm like, who is that guy? Like, I'm in, I was like, Oh wait, that's first. I know who that is. So um, I was like, we need to find a couple more of him. Um, but, you know, just for him to be able to come back, happy that that's a decision that he led, to, he led himself to um, happy that he's a part of the football team and, you know, excited what his future is going to hold because he has a lot, a lot of upside and the sky's the limit for that young man. Talking about you, what kind of led you in this direction to go towards the GM, the, director of player personnel type roles rather than an on-field coach? Yeah, um, really, really simple. Um, I was When I was GA and we had gotten fired, and so that was the only option that I had at that time. Um, so I kind of moved off the field and, you know, I went from being a GA to a couple months later, got promoted to being full-time. And so I went from making about $900 a month to $25,000 a year. I was like, oh, this is way better. So I think I'll keep doing this thing. <laughs> And you talked about it before we got on here, but prior to coming to Florida State, you worked at Oregon State, you know, building that into a, a stable program, especially, you know, when you left capping things off, beating Florida in a bowl game this year. So to come to Florida State at a time where Mike Norvell, he had only had a, a three-win season, a five-win season, you know, maybe not a ton of stability there. How much did it mean to see this past year, winning 10 games, winning a bowl game, kind of submitting things for the future? You know, ha happy for those guys. I was just a very, very small part uh, of that organization back there. Uh, but happy for those guys still have a lot of relationships back in Corvallis, um, you know, and happy for them to do well and have the year that they had. But ultimately thankful for the opportunity that I have in front of me here um, and to get to be a small part of this program and trying to excel, uh, coach what coach wants for this vision and what this role is. Um, and thankful to be in it because this is a very special place and, this fan base is like no other. Yeah. How's it been? We talked about in the production. I mean, how's it been going from the West coast over here all the way to Tallahassee? Has it been a little bit of a adjustment? Uh, not, not too bad. Um, 
you know, besides it's a longer flight if I ever want to get back to California for home, but I can get past that. Uh, the weather is a lot better um, than it being a little colder where I was the last seven years. Um, it being, you know, I think it's supposed to be what, 72 tomorrow here in Tallahassee. So I enjoy the weather a lot bad. I think the humidity is the biggest lie ever. I don't think the humidity is as bad as people say it is. Um, so I was, I was fine for used to that in the summer, but they said it was mild summer too. So, um, but the adjustment's been great. You know, we had a son that was born in, in August that my wife gave birth to, um, which was poor planning having the sun during fall camp, but you know, can't plan some of those things, uh, but happy. So that's been a little bit of adjustment with fatherhood and balance, but you know, very thankful for where I am in my, in my life. And speaking of adjustments, when you're moving, um, you've been in Tallahassee a year now, Dustin mentioned it earlier. What's it, what's a go-to restaurant for you so far after a year? Um, if I get, so the go-to restaurant, if we get um, some time to do so, we'd like to take the, we live down here in Southwood, take the golf cart over to, uh, one of the different places, but I try to always have uh, one day a week where my wife and I have breakfast down at uh, Canopy Road here in Southwood. Mm, good spot. Solid spot. Very good breakfast. I was going to ask uh, earlier, we got to talk with Fentrell Cypress, a uh, very, very talented defensive back transferring from Virginia to Florida State. And he was asked a question about facilities. And I'm wondering on your side of things from, you know, hearing from a lot of recruits and including transfers is this how big do facilities mean to these guys when they're coming and i'm and i'm sure it's a little bit different from a recruit and a guy that's already been with the program just like fentrell because fentrell comments you know it wasn't a big decision maker for him but i'm just wondering just nowadays how it is between the recruit on that part and then also a guy like fentrell cypress coming from a program in the acc yeah uh, facilities matter from the standpoint as long as they're functional and so obviously there's a shock and awe factor if you like walk in and it's something obviously extremely nice and five star, which I'm very excited for football only facility to open when they broke ground in that in December. Looking forward to when we get to move in there. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, other programs go and build these things and they're not functional. They're not useful. There's no really thought behind it besides what the ultimate design factor looks like. And so when you're building this out and the plans that we have for ours, it's going to be incredibly functional for our student athletes, but not only the development between, you know, Mr. Alford's vision and his experience in the NFL and Bruce Warwick's experience in the NFL, they know exactly what facilities are getting built at that level. And so how can you help the development of our student athletes, of our young men in our program? This is what it's going to be at the next level. This is how we can create your best you. And this is how we can holistically develop your best you you know, really from a development in the socially world, academically and athletically and attack all three phases in those. You mentioned it earlier, but you had a kid in August and like you said, probably not the best planning on your part, but congratulations again to you and your wife. Um, just during that experience, what was it like jockeying, uh, going through Florida State's 2022 season, traveling with the team, all of your duties while also having a newborn? Yeah, it was fun. Um, you know, it was good. It was a good time. And uh, I, I, I'd be remiss because my wife does most of the legwork because she, you know, she's a she's a trooper when it comes to, to those things. And uh, it was a hard balance initially, just kind of the shock, the shock and awe that kind of came with it. And, uh, you know, he he had his first game was at the Duquesne game. And that was the first time that he got to go to a college football game. And so I told him, I was like, that's, you know, you're kind of the good luck charm. You know, you came to a couple of games and he wasn't, you know, he missed a couple of the the games we didn't perform as well. So I was like, you have to be at every game. So um, 
he, he's got a pretty good record in that aspect when he's at those things. And so the balance though, it, it is what it is. And um, he'll come over a couple of times to the office for lunch and practice, um, take it all in. And so I'm excited just for the age when we can get that arm ready to, you know, throw a football or, you know, we'll put a golf club in it. Maybe it might be the smarter option. <laughs> yeah, we got a good golf course around you there to start. Uh, going to Mike Norvell, what's it like being behind him? What's it like, you know, behind the scenes too? Does it ever change? Because I think from the media's perspective and definitely the fans' perspective, it's go, 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 nonstop energy 24-7. But I'm just wondering if that changes any behind the scenes or that's just how it is. That's how he is because we see him. And we heard little things before he even arrived at Florida State that he'll walk the field before practice and just do mental walk. And then we did get to see that earlier in Doak uh, before the season began that he surely does go inside and he'll go for his walk. But what is he really behind the scenes to you? Yeah, um, what you see is what he is. Uh, he is always he, – he is like one of the greatest chess players I've ever seen, and I'm using that as – a not actual because I haven't actually played him in chess, but <laughs> he's always one step ahead of everyone. And so he knows his next move before you know your next move. And so I've taken a little personal to try to, you know, be on that same move with him or be a couple steps uh, with him and just trying to anticipate what his next move and the best way that I can support him and what he's looking for. Um, but he doesn't stop. He never runs out of energy. Um, I'm convinced he's probably got 50% caffeine and 50% blood running through his veins uh, but he is always he is always on point. I've never seen him not ha have a down day to where he's quiet. Like he is always that way. And if if you're not ready for it, you will be, and he'll get you in the right mindset. I promise that. <laughs> that was kind of my next question. Where does the energy come from? Is there always a, a pot of coffee brewing? Is he popping five hour energies? Where is it coming from? Because even out there um, this weekend at the recruiting event, you know, he's just out there screaming, uh, hyping people up. Yeah, he, he does a great job of energy management. I'm not sure how he does it, but he does a phenomenal job of always having it. I, I see. There, there's a guy there practices. He, he's got a special bottle just that says Magnorvel on. I think there's something in there. I don't know what it is, but there might be some special juice in there for Mike. <laughs> but, yeah, no, Mike definitely does bring the energy. What has kind of been – you know, I've only got a couple more, but what – what has kind of been the energy now after having a season like that, you're going into 2023 and things are a little bit different. We talked with Tony about this to where now you're projected to make a, a run here. Whereas if you're going into the 2022 season, that really wasn't the case. Now it seems like there's a little bit more pressure on you guys. And also for Mike Norvell and the team overall for you guys, it's also about the players there and the mental state of, Hey, you know, now you've reached the bowl game. You reached to now where you're going to be fighting for a potential ACC championship. You're, getting to that playoff. I'm wondering how that is for you going into this and being a little bit more of a little bit more pressure, it seems like, or at least in, in quote pressure on you guys going into 2023 to accomplish some of these things. Well, I mean, first of all, like the, the pressure, this is Florida state. There's always going to be high expectations here and there should be. Um, and so there's no, there's never a game that we should go into that we shouldn't feel that we don't have a great chance to win and win. Um, as far as this year, you know, we had a great year, obviously, in 2022, but 2023 is a different team. And we've started that process, obviously, of going through um, starting tour duty last week and then getting into the, you know, some of the weights and some running sessions and getting geared up for spring ball. And this is a different team than it was in 2022. Yes, we have a great foundation to build off of from a heck of a year. Um, but what we did last year really doesn't mean anything because this is a whole new team now. 
Um, and so the work still has to take place. The process still has to take place. Um, we cannot, there's nothing to rest on a laurel um, for any stretch of the, the imagination there. Uh, and we just have to go attack it and go work every day. And, you know, let's go and see where the cards may fall as we put in the work and continue on for these next nine months before, you know, eight and a half months before we open up that first one. But there's a lot of work to get done in between then and September. So we need to make sure we attack every single day with the same amount of energy and work on coach's mantra, get 1% better. Earlier, you talked about the evaluation process, and that's kind of really the season we're in right now. You know, like you said, the coaches are out on the road. We're seeing offers go out continuously to 2024, 2025, 2026, and even later prospects. So just whenever you're scouting out a player, whether it's watching them on film or, or whatever other kind of research you guys do before you send out these offers, you know, what, what kind of goes into that process, if you can talk about it a little bit? Yeah, there, there's a multitude of people that are that are involved. And, you know, from our our analysts, our graduate assistants, um, everyone has kind of a different carve out, cut out piece of an area. Um, and, and so we'll use that strategically. But as they go through flowing through the pipeline, you know, there's really a couple different ways we can come across someone, whether it be a service that we subscribe to or whether it be a recommendation from an, a high school coach or seven on seven coach or a trainer or someone around them. Um, but we'll kind of collect the information and kind of make the decision from there and get multiple eyes on to make the best decision for Florida State to make sure that they meet, you know, kind of exactly what we're looking for, whether it be position specific or, or you know, our character, whatever it may be. We want to make sure that we have a couple of those boxes checked and then, you know, continue to evaluate because even once an offer does go out, the evaluation process is just beginning. Right. And so I've talked about this before. Every every person is like a thousand piece puzzle. And so the more of those pieces you can kind of put in place, it helps you make a better informed decision on each of those players. And not all things are equal, not because, you know, someone may just uncovering those ideas. So you understand that player and get to build a better percentage in your mind. And so you can kind of have the answers to the test a little bit before you take that person. I don't know how much you can answer on this, but this is a Facebook question coming from Tom. Uh, when hiring a new coach, and we talked about Patrick Sertain earlier in the show, but when hiring a new coach, how many people are involved on that behind the scenes, Derek? Yeah, there, there, there's a good amount. Um, there, there's a good amount of people that, that typically have involved. Um, obviously, the head coach, coordinator, um, you know, and then some others from there. So without getting too direct, yeah. it's not just it's not just one person making the call. There's there's you know really Coach Marvell's got kind of the final decision on on all of those things, obviously, but. Uh, there are a multitude of people who are who are involved in the process of making sure we get the best fit. Gotcha. Uh, I've got one last one here for you, Derek. We talked with Jordan Travis uh, before the Oklahoma game down there on Orlando, and we've heard it all throughout the year, kind of from some of the players. But one thing that Mangnervell and the staff you you do is evaluate on the field, but maybe even more important is off the field and what you're bringing inside of that locker room. If you're looking at a guy like Jared Verse, he's a guy that he, it seems he comes off of the alpha male kind of energy, and he's talked about that too. He will bring that to practice, and things change once he leaves the field. And then you look at a guy like Dylan Gibbons, who turned into being a big-time leader on the field for Florida State, off the field, in the community. Um, you know, Mangnervell has done a really – good job of bringing good people into that locker room and how big and important importance is that to you when you're evaluating these guys at the transfer level, maybe more important than maybe even the recruiting side. Yeah. Uh, talent matters, but so does fit. 
And, and fit goes a long way. It doesn't just mean, hey, we need a bunch of, for lack of a better term, just, you know, choir boys, right? Like it's not just that that we're obviously looking for, but fit in the locker room, fit in the position room, fit on side of the ball, um, but not just their athletic profile, how they're going to carry themselves. Are they willing to work? Are they willing to put in the extra effort? Are they willing to step outside of their comfort zone and being told, being okay with being told the truth and not just, hey, how great of a player you are, right? But at the end of the day, their success is only going to come from how much all of those young men put into the work. And so when you look at someone just not being, being okay not to be comfortable, because there's going to be some uncomfortable days. There's going to be some days where you're going to face adversity. There's going to be days where it's not going easy for you. There's going to be a game that things aren't just going right. But at the end of the day, it's just going to come down to one play and the next one and the next one and the next one. And all of a sudden you look back and we'll be able to recognize what you started with. So, you know, we want guys that are going to be great representatives of Florida State and great people to be around, but also people who are willing to work. And that's really what our what Coach Norvell's program is built on. I've only got like two more for you. I don't really know how to word this one, but, you know, you're the general manager at Florida State, kind of a role that's growing in college football. People are being hired in similar positions. And right now with the way recruiting works, only Mike Norvell and the other on-field coaches can go out and personally offer these guys and meet with them, evaluate them in person and such. Do you feel like it's time for the NCAA to explore adding a rule to potentially have an off-field staff member maybe multiple staff members be able to do some of those same activities or, you know, you might even know, is that something that's been proposed in the past? You know, there's always been smoke talking about some of those things, but I think they get started by uh, individuals in the personnel and recruiting profession that start kind of those rumors. I I'm happy with whatever, whatever the rules are, as long as it's a level playing field for everyone. Uh, So not in, not in any way, shape or form in a rush to get on the road. But if that's what's going to be asked of me to do, I'd be more than happy to to do that as well. Um, so I think there are some obviously tweaks that probably will continue to come as rules kind of do get changed and modernized. But you know, I try not to get involved of what ifs because I can we can spend three more hours on this podcast at least or in this live stream just talking about what could the NCAA do, what could you know this rule change do. But uh, at the end of the day, we can only work within what's present. So. That's what I'll continue to do. Definitely. And I guess to kind of end it off, <clears throat> end it off here <clears throat> for to say, bringing in a mix of high school, junior college and transfer portal prospects in this 2023 class, just throughout the recruiting cycle, who were some of your favorite guys to interact with? Yeah. Hey, happy with the group that we brought in um, just being great fits, great personalities. Um, you know, there, there's not just one person I could point to and be like, Oh yeah, he was my favorite or anything like that because I really enjoyed being around and creating relationships with all. They all have their different fun stories that I was a part of. Obviously, you know, Hakeem is someone that sticks out because he brings personality as soon as he walks in the room and he's such a great young man. Um, excited for what he's going to be. He finally beat me in the little Papa Shot basketball game uh, last week. So, because uh, he had gone over for every time he had been up previously. Uh, make sure to mention that part. Uh, yeah. But we have so many, so many great guys, you know. If, Brock and Jaden and Jabril and Quindarius and uh, Jade, like you go down the list, there's just great stories with all of them. And I think that's been back to what I was talking about earlier. Authentic relationships matter, you know, and that's, if you do it the right way, you should have those good moments because it, 
you're going to have to tell the truth at some point. And so if you have somewhat of a foundation of those authentic relationships, it's going to pay better dividends in the end. Yeah, I, I really liked hearing from Jordan Travis after the Oklahoma game and Mike Norvell. That was the first time that we really get to have those after a game, all three of them being together with Jared verse two and, you know, saying, you know, going the next you want to 2023, it's time to work. It's time to work now. And, you know, Mike Norvell listening to Jordan Travis just smiling. And it just goes to show the culture that, you know, Mike Norvell has been able to create there. And it's just kind of gone everywhere around the whole program. And it's been fun to watch and see as we've been covering it the last couple of years. So, but, you know, it goes to show too what you've done on your end, Derek, and getting to mm -hmm. see the insight behind the scenes. And we get to see you at practice and we know what you're doing. But just to get the kind of conversation here for the listeners is huge. And definitely whenever you're watching college football right now in the world, it is like Dustin said, it is growing and growing, growing on that side of things. So it is, it's going to be fun to watch that transfer. I, I just don't know. I feel like you need a couple more assistance, assistance though, Derek, with this transfer portal stuff going on. I don't know how you're going to hold on like this. It's going to be a wild ride the next couple of years. Well, the transfer por transfer portal has been a, a great opportunity and great challenge. Um, but again, thankful for the group that I have the opportunity to work with. Uh, because I could not do it without them. And there's so many people that are involved. It's not just a one person, three person, five person. You know, we are a, the Florida State football program as a whole is continuing to put in the work and very excited for what this future does hold. Well, appreciate you, Derek, for hopping on here with us. I'm sure we'll see you soon, but enjoy the rest of the week. Take care of the little one. And uh, yeah, man, appreciate you have, having you on here, man. This was awesome. 40 minutes of some really good insight. Well, appreciate you guys having me and uh, have, have a good rest of your night and uh, we'll talk soon and see you all soon, I'm sure. Appreciate you, Derek. Take care. Well, that was another great interview there. Back to back like that, we go from Tony, then we get grab uh, Derek there. I think the listeners are really going to like that because there's a lot of things. I think you get the profiles and titles and stuff, but really getting to know what that means behind a title is huge. And it goes to show what Florida state's been able to do in the transfer portal ranked number one right now for that, I think for two uh, per two, four, seven sports. So some good stuff there, Dustin, after what, did you get all your 17 questions out? I think I pretty, I pretty much got them all out. I was going to try and sneak a Blake Nicholson question in there, but yeah, I figured <laughs> we had him on for, that quite amount of time but it, yeah it was just really interesting to hear his insight and, and kind of hear about the amount of organization that goes into to what Florida State is doing behind the scenes and then you also hear him naming out all the different off-field staffers I mean they've really they've really fleshed out the that amount of people in the uh, the personnel department over the past couple of years since Mike Norvell arrived here with really quality people and you know I was going to ask Derek about it but really to me when you watch it you know as much as uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but as much as well as they are as evaluators and meeting these recruits and stuff, I think what really stands out about this coaching staff is just how much fun they have working with one another. It really seems like they all enjoy being around each other and are just really connected throughout these processes. And we get to see it all the time through practices, events. Definitely, when we get to have uh, conversations like this or after early signing day, we get to see how tight knit that group is and it all starts from the very top and um, definitely having the help too. you know, president McCullough, you've also got Michael Alford who's pushed a lot in the direction of the athletics department and the way the progression also trying to add on help and facilities, 
just the little things of making the fan experience better. You know, we've seen kind of a turn in the Florida State, the football program as a whole, that we have kind of been harping on, you know, for five, six years when it hit a lull and we were kind of wondering, well, which direction is this program really headed? And right now it does seem like in a positive uh, positive way and definitely have the d- addition of Derek along with the many of other names that he mentioned earlier. Uh, it's been helping a ton. So awesome to have Derek on here with us this evening. We've got a few quick hitters to go over. Nothing too crazy this week, a little bit of a slower one. I kind of expected this is how it's going to be for a little bit, but that's why we're trying to bring on as many guests as possible for the next couple of weeks until things start gearing up for a little bit of some spring practices and workouts Uh, let's talk about florida state officially announcing the hire of patrick certain senior as florida state's defensive backs coach this was reported a little a while ago but now officially announced miami dolphins their season is over after losing to the bills they did give them a game we were almost thinking maybe patrick won't be here as soon as we might have thought but in the end uh, Josh Allen, the Bills, they take down the Miami Dolphins. And on Wednesday, earlier, a couple hours ago, Sertain was announced officially. I saw a great reaction from some of the recruits along with the players. I saw Jerry Ann Jones. I saw Greedy Vance also put out some posts. Um, really excited about having their new position coach. But, uh, yeah, guys, it's official. Florida State's got a really star NFL vet and a lot of ties down with South Florida in their, in their program right now and definitely in that uh, defensive back room. We talked about it a little, well, a good, a good bit last week. You know, recruits are pretty excited about this one with the experience that Sertain has at the high school coaching level down there at American Heritage where I, I believe 65 and 10 overall record and nine years as a head coach, three state championships, he sent multiple players to high-profile colleges across the country, had guys from American Heritage that ended up in the NFL, you know, including his own son, and as well as uh, mentioned in this press release from Florida State, Brian Burns as well, someone that he was tied to back whenever Burns played at American Heritage. But, man, I just can't believe the timing with these announcements. We got this coming out, <laughs> 5.53. I was at my house all day, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go play pickleball with my friend. So the hour and a half that I'm out of my house – Dustin plays pickleball. Yeah, to be fair, okay. if the, if there's any sport Dustin would play, it's pickleball. Oh, I, I guess me, that makes sense. Man, a five fifty three press release. I'm on, I'm on the pickleball court, hands on my hips, just screaming. I, I, think, I, I think I broke my racket. It's been like this all off season though. Like the the news comes in the at night. Yep. It's, it's yep. It's, it's primarily I will say recruits and transfers announcing their decision. It's usually around this time. Um, Daryl Jackson was live on the show when we did that, whenever he picked Florida State. But then no matter what, though, even when we're not live, there is usually a late night addition to Florida State. It's usually good news. That's the run that they've been on since beginning this offseason. But it's always at night. Why can't we do this thing at morning? I know we're griping, but let's just do this in the morning. No, that's when we're at the computers. We're grinding. We got the coffee. Let's get the pieces out real quick. And then by the time dinner comes, we're done for the night. But we're just complaining and being losers. So, But I, I also had a show today at 6 and had to be late for that. So I'm still going to gripe about it. But a nice – you know, having that officially done, it's over. Now he's in Tallahassee. You know, Derek talking about him saying that they were chopping it up earlier today. 
it's just big, you know, get him down here, start, you know, understanding some of the guys building those relationships in that room, because there's a lot of young talent and there's some guys that showed a lot of promise in 2022, but you want to see the development and also on the recruiting side of things. I, I just really look at that defensive back room and look at, you know, Fentrell Cypress and what he can do to only upcharge to bring up, you know, his tenacity and talent and then going to a young guy as Thomas, you know, there's going to be a heavy amount of competition that Patrick Sertain is going to be walking into that room to um, coach. And I'm, I'm all about it. You know, iron sharpens iron and that room certainly needs it because it, it was, I wouldn't say I'm giving it a F of last year, a D, but it was definitely something a uh, unit that needed work and, you know, best of luck to coach Woodson. I just, think this was a lot like the Chris Marv situation, how it was and him moving on from Florida state. Um, you know, I, I, I see a lot of similarities there between Chris Marv and the Woodson situation. I, I just think though, certain has got a lot of not, you know, a lot to work with at least going into that room. And despite what we say about what happened last season, the numbers were still pretty good for, for the defense, as far as passing, passing defense and the yardage they were given up. And yet there's still a ton of room for these guys to grow and getting a guy like Sertan who's who was in the NFL for a decade plus was a multi-time all pro and, and pro bowler guy that spent time in American heritage knows how to develop these relationships. It's going to be big for this room. And, and these guys are really going to develop, which they, which they've needed. There's plenty of talent. there, not just from the guys you mentioned, but you know, Kevin Knowles and Morion Cooper, like there's a ton of talent in that room. They just got to develop a little bit. And Sertan's arguably the perfect guy to get it done. He's a proven developer of talent and he's bringing in recruiting ties. They're going to be, extremely valuable to Florida State over in the New Orleans area playing at Edna Carr we mentioned it last week the same high school as Destin Hill and Greedy Vance so you get some Louisiana ties out of this he played his college ball at Southern Miss Mississippi an area where Florida State's been doing some more recruiting over the past couple of years um, and then as well as you know obviously South Florida down there at American Heritage and, and you have to think with him being a high school coach he's probably connected with a lot of his peers down there throughout the years. And I think those relationships are really only going to benefit Florida state on the recruiting trail in a, in a hotbed of talent, but yeah, just certain he released a, a quick little statement through the, the press release um, said through my time coaching high school and in the NFL, I've experienced how to maximize student athletes potential coming into college and prepare them to be impactful at the next level. I appreciate the opportunity to continue building on the DBU legacy here at Florida state. So, yeah, this is, like you guys said, a, a hire to be excited about. And I'm just really interested to see because he hasn't coached, you know, a position coach at the high school or at the college level just yet, how this transition is going to be for him. But you would think with a guy who's worked with as many student athletes as he already has throughout his career, this is pretty much going to be a natural transition. And it's pretty impressive for all the names that we were listening off two weeks ago and in all the articles for, for a name to be pulled that wasn't on the on that list and still make you go, wow, that's a good hire. Yeah, just credit to Novell and everything's been doing the last two years, getting guys coming in the system that just really make you open your eyes. Yeah. Speaking of Mike Norvell, this is the comment on him of the hire. He says, I'm inc incredibly excited to have Patrick Sertan joining the Knoll family. He brings a wealth of playing and coaching experience at the highest levels and has prioritized genuine relationships and developing players on and off the field. Patrick was an elite NFL player for more than a decade and then earned remarkable success as a high school coach in South Florida before continuing his development as an NFL coach. I'm happy for our student athletes who will receive top-notch skills instruction while also learning life lessons from Coach Sertan. So 
Mike Norvell, a big move. I think you saw the reaction from the rivals in state from Florida and Miami. That just goes to show you that, uh, yeah, this this was a hire that Mike Norvell planted and let everybody on notice. And we'll see how it develops and how it works. We'll be able to you know see him hopefully soon uh, once spring starts picking up. But, you know, just the reaction overall, uh, a nice hire and a, and a hire so far. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, let's jump out to another quick hitter of the week. This became, I guess, kind of official today, but had been circling around for a little while now. Florida State wide receiver. First off, we need to, you know, this Malik McLean entering the transfer portal first. We talked about Was it. this. Yeah. First off, entering the transfer portal, but now picking to go over to Penn State. Um, what do y'all think about that? I mean, I, I kind of I understand the move for him, and you know, depending on the playing time, he's looking for more. I would, I'd imagine. But first off, I I still think there was a lot of potential for him at Florida State. But you know, just depending on what that room is, maybe the room looks a little bit different. And also, like I said, you know, NIL is a different animal right now, and there's gonna it's changing the way the transfer portal works, and. I think there was a good opportunity for, for Malik McLean here. I, I think there's a lot of upside for him, too, in, in his college career. And we've seen a couple of other wide receivers go off and play really well at some other programs. You know, DJ Matthews had a really nice nice career there at Indiana. But going over to Malik McLean, he ends up picking, you know, to go play for James Franklin up there at Penn State. Yeah, kind of like Derek said earlier whenever he was on here, it's it's really important – um, to retain players on your roster now. And that's, I think that's something we're starting to see kind of in this NIL and transfer portal day and age where maybe some guys are getting coerced into the portal. I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened here with Malik McLean, but I mean, we're seeing Florida State's NIL collecti- collectives prioritize getting deals done with some promising underclassmen who look like they can impact the program in the future. But just going over to McLean, to me, and, and I talked about it last week, I think it just came down to opportunity. Even with him moving on, Florida State, still 11 scholarship receivers right now on the roster in 2023, including these high school additions. You're thinking that Winston Wright is probably going to begin playing a more significant role now starting in the spring, hopefully. You've got a five-star in Hakeem Williams coming in, two of your starters coming back, and Johnny Wilson and Micah Pittman. So, I mean, there's just so much depth in that room right now. And I don't think McLean was guaranteed a, a major role. And you look over at Penn State, they're they're needing multiple receivers right now. I think they've gotten two, including McLean, out of the transfer portal so far. And that's despite them not even having a wide receivers coach at the moment over there at Penn State. So it's a good opportunity, lands in a premier conference and gets a chance to continue I don't want to say rebuild his career because he showed some real potential at Florida State but maybe play a bigger role out of the gate at Penn State and, ha- and have a breakout year in 2023 and at the same time Penn State's put some receivers in the league recently Florida State hasn't really done um, I mean you just look at the last few years Jahan Dotson KJ Hamler Deshaun Hamilton Chris Godwin like there's a ton of talent in the NFL that came from Penn State at that wide receiver position. So you can kind of look at it from that perspective as well. But like Dustin said, it, it's kind of just opportunities. There's, you know, probably going to be eight guys that are in that rotation next year. Um, the, obviously, you don't want to lose a guy McLean's talent. But at the same time, um, I understand what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit like Sean Ward. Sean Ward had a little bit yeah. more of a better production-wise, but Sean Ward is going to a better opportunity to be – on that starting guy, and he will be a starter. And then going to Malik McLean, he has a chance to be a starter 
over there, up there in Penn State. So, you know, best of luck to him. I really like him. And it's like I said in our group chat, you know, when it it was announced, he went from arguably the wide receiver two at that spring game, what was it, two years ago, to you look at it today and he's like wide receiver seven. It was insane how fast that room flipped. Yeah, and if he would have left last year before the spring, it would have been a meltdown. Like, oh yeah. man, Malik McLean's gone, but now it's just kind of like, dang, that sucks. But hope the best for the kid, just because Florida State, they're really deep right now, wide receiver, and that's not something you could have said this time last year. No, not at all. Mm-mm. Nope. Definitely, when you got the unicorn coming too in the spring, right? Uh, uh, hey, you, you got the tie now. Well, you got two of them. You got a coaching tie, and you've got a. Uh, teammate tie that's right so maybe that'll be enough to finally pull them in (laughs) all the stones are needed so we'll see if that let's see if two is enough uh let's jump through a few more things here let's jump into some number changes from returning players uh keem dent florida state safety veteran guy announced that he's gonna be returning he's got a number change. He is going to go from number 27 to number one, Jarquez McLellian, former FSU safety had that last year, but he's going to go to number one. DJ Lundy is going to go from number 46 to number 10. DJ Lundy, Florida state's a veteran linebacker. That one's going to take a little bit getting used to. I'll be honest. This one is an interesting one. Patrick Payton, He's going to be leaving his 56 number. And I had talked about this a little while back. I was like, ah, I think Payton's got to change that number to something nicer. He's going to go to Jermaine Johnson's former number. And that's going to be number 11. And then to finish it off, Iobame Tafase, freshman defensive tackle, is going to wear number 91 to begin his career at Florida State. Cool stuff, man. There's nothing better than some jersey number changes, in my opinion. That's when you know we have we are now officially into the off season guys. Just wait till we start talking about height and weights. I'm ready. Uh, I'm Logan, Logan I'm is ready. ready. I am he's, so stoked. He's got the notepad with the arrows ready. You know, he, he is, he is fully ready for those weight changes. See, look, oh, already there. Yeah. Oh, I'm beyond ready for that. But uh, yeah, Jermaine Johnson's number is going to go to Patrick Payne guys. I think that, I think that's, I, I think, think that sounds right. I think it sounds right. I, I thought the most interesting was Lundy going to 10. Because, I mean, I mean th- there's one linebacker at Florida State that wore 10. And yeah. uh, it's big expectations. That's a good point. That is true. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that is very true. We have not seen who was the last person to wear number 10 at linebacker. Jamie held 10. For a couple, I'm trying to think. We've got to go. Someone in the comments has got to have. They're always smarter than us. Someone yeah. in the comments. Who last oh, wore number oh, 10 what? at linebacker? I can look. It's probably Florida gonna take State. A minute. I'm not. I'm not that committed. Uh, you know. But not? Patrick Payton falling in Jermaine Johnson's footsteps, but kind of ruins the story a little bit. He also wore number eleven in high school. It's all right. Uh, technically, Kevon Glenn wore ten in the 2020-21 season. All right. We got to start watching what people are wearing. We need this. You know, some people can't be wearing some certain numbers, if I'm be honest. We need to start holding some people back from wearing some of these special numbers. However, Let's be the, honest wor- here. the worst defensive back should get number two. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Jeez. <laughs> Come on, man. Did y'all see Tim Brewster's uh, I, I did meeting not watch hype, it. whatever that was? I, I refused to watch it. I didn't it. know if that was a military drill or what. I had no idea. 
I just I saw everyone clowning it. I'm like, I, I'm good. I don't need to watch this. Yeah, well, I will say I tried my hardest to not watch it all throughout the weekend, and then eventually I said, you know what, today I'll watch it, and I do regret it. <laughs> now, I, I so whenever I think about ten, I do think Nick Moody. I do. That's who I think, and I'm fine. Nick Moody, I love Nick Moody. If you're talking about probably, that's a and that's a college football back in the good old days size linebacker right there. Nick Boot, Nick Moody would hit you and it would hurt. But um, yeah, let's go do some more number changes real quick though. Some of the newcomers, including transfers, uh, Jaheim Belt will wear number six, the South Carolina t- tight end transfer. Uh, we've got Brock Glenn. He is going to be wearing number 11, Florida State's freshman quarterback coming in. We've got this one. Everybody kind of wanted to keep an eye on it. Hakeem Williams is going to go with number eight, Ocho there. I like that. I like that pick. I do too. Daryl Jackson, the Miami defensive tackle transfer. He's going to go wear number 14 for Florida State. Uh, Condravius Jones is going to wear number 16, Florida State's freshman defensive tackle. Quindarius back. Jones. Quindarius Jones. That, I mean, that Condravius Jones. Quindarius Jones. Quindarius Jones. There you go. That's nah, not cool enough. It's not like Vendravius Jacobs. Oh, I killed that Vendravius. I love Vendravius. I think we got to give him an NIL deal just for that name. Gilbert Edmond, the South Carolina transfer, is going to wear number 19. I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> sorry. I mean, sorry. That's that's. I, I don't that's, like that's I don't atrocious. Like, I, don't that's like atrocious. Jackson, I don't like Jackson wearing 14 either. Both of those got to change. Yeah, they're yeah, defensive, like it, it's one thing for Lovett. I definitely don't zero, like Derek Jack, yeah. and, and it's one thing for you know, when Timmy wore eight, it was crazy, it was crazy, but 14 for a defensive tackle, it was the same thing with Jared Jackson last year, we're in 12. Like, what are we doing? Yep, yeah, uh, not a huge major fan there, but uh, yeah, Gilbert Adam, he's gonna go with number 19, and JVS Jacobs is gonna go with number 20. Uh, we got Jaden Jones, uh, Juco defensive end, he's gonna wear number 22. I also don't like that for defensive end, but I'm going to try to see if it works on me. Uh, Fentrell Cypress, he's going to wear number 23. KJ Kirkland, freshman defensive back, number 24. DeMarco Ward, linebacker, number 31. No shocker here, Lamont Green Jr., number 45. Which is awesome. That's badass. I, whenever his dad posted it uh, earlier this week or over the weekend, it just felt right. Uh, Braden Fisk, defensive tack. Defensive tackle transfer number fifty-five. I do like that one. I can rock with that one. He took Tafasi's number. It's you know that's fine. <laughs> no, no, no offense, but Fiske, yeah. Fiske's, uh, Fiske's earned what number he wants. Yeah, Someone I mean, took yeah, my you... number. I'd be throwing hands. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, Jeremiah Byers number sixty-three. Uh, Casey Roddick number seventy. And we're, we're getting to like where no one gives a flying f with the line. Hey. But... Oh, that's crazy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Keandre Jones is going to wear number 75. Lucas Simmons is going to go with number 79. Transfer tight end Kyle Morlock is going to wear number 84. And then newcomer kicker Tyler Kelt- uh, Keltner, number 98. Exciting stuff. I, 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 mean, I, like, are... I like Hakeem in like eight. I really yeah. like that one. That's, that's, that's probably the best one. That's a dub. I think, I mean. Brock Glenn in 11. Mm. 
I, I don't have any problem with it. It's not like a yes it or it's bad. It's just like, okay. Is that Drew Weatherford's number? Who's who's taking uh who's taking Geno English's number? What number was he? Oh my god, how you do you, I'm wondering <laughs> if that's that's Logan's looking it up. Give he me was, a second here, he guys. Said, I right? thought it was Oh, it's 15, 15. Oh, it's 15. That's right. It's 15. I didn't, you know. I would have never known. known. I would have never known. I thought 11 this whole time. And that's no really Lane's number. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. I think they're going to retire. Junior English, the legend. Got to be the last yeah. one to wear it. Love Jeez. the TikToks. Uh, Interested to see if there'll yeah. be any more changes. I'm sure we'll get we'll get some random guys changing their number after spring. Or, you know, if, if someone decides players. to transfer, someone else might move up a number. You never We've know. Seen this, this do that after the spring. Yeah, these are to be determined, at least for maybe some of the returning players, because we've seen some number changes. And then after the spring camp, those numbers go back or even to worse ones. So we'll see how long these last. I'll be I'm being honest. honest. I, there's no I way Brandon, think... there's no way Brendan Gant wanted that number. There's no way. <laughs> Come on now. And I don't think Jared Jackson made that change until after the spring, if I'm correct. And Trey Benson changes number after the spring, and yeah, Benson's be number change was a good one though. Like he had to do that one. But Jared, Logan Moore, Jared Jackson, no way. Brendan Gant wanted twenty eight though. No way. What up? More importantly, maybe than the numbers being assigned today, is we got to look at some initial measurements for these guys on, on Seminoles.com. So. I guess off the off the hoof, you know, whenever you're looking through these numbers, anyone that you were impressed with? I don't, I don't know if you got a chance to read uh, the article. No, I saw Daryl. I read your stuff, D-Lou. Don't worry, I read your stuff. Daryl Jackson, they added on weight, I think, 10 pounds. That's fine. 15. A lot of – huh, how much? 50? God 15, dang. 15. <laughs> yeah, 15. Uh, that'll be trimmed off a bit, but he's going to be staying on the inside anyway, so I'm not too, I'm not too concerned with that. Uh, I'm more of looking at some of the freshmen coming in, seeing if there's been any kind of weight changes. I was looking at Hakeem Williams. Um, but 10 pounds heavier, though, is in, interesting to me. I mean, he's already a big kid, in, uh, and I'm just interested to see how what, what Coach Storms is going to want to do with his body. And then for Vendrabrius, they've, you know, it's all protein shakes, peanut butter, <laughs> potatoes five things of Waterbury. I think Vendravius Jacobs should live with you for a month, Dustin. And <laughs> y'all make the midnight, the 1 a.m., 2 a.m. Well, he just needs any kind of weight. He Storms <laughs> can figure it out. But just, you know, send him to Dustin. Do the 2 a.m. Waterburger trips, and we'll get Vendravius Jacobs up there. Pounds because I'm trying to look for him on the list. Was he at? He was at 175. 165 oh, goodness gracious see i'm really i'm really intrigued by him because i think he is not talked about a ton and that's fine i just think he's going to be kind of a sleeper guy that surprises us early on and spring a little bit uh because the way that he plays the routes that he runs the hands he's going to be a problem for opposing defenses but yeah definitely got to put on a little size there in my opinion anything else i mean looking at obviously lamont green jr He's one that Coach Storm is going to be working with quite a bit this offseason. Um, yeah, 22 yeah, pounds of lighter coming in. Tell us. I was surprised by that one. Because we've talked to him in the past, and he's mentioned that he's around 230. And he's you know, going off 
Yeah, that's what he's mentioned in the past. But going off his recruiting profile, listed at six three and a half, two hundred and twenty eight pounds, and now his first measurement at Florida State is six foot three, two hundred and six pounds. So definitely lighter than Florida State probably wanted coming into it. But he also has the perfect body for them to build up in that strength and conditioning program over the next couple of years. But I would say with him coming in that small, that small, you know, maybe limits his ability to make an impact in year one. Boy, he works on that frame. Um, I love that you gave some summary here, and you didn't leave out Tyler Keltner, Florida State's kicker that is transferred. You put on here worth noting on you listed five foot eleven, one hundred seventy-two pounds. Worth noting on as the Seminoles bringing a kicker to compete with Ryan Fitzgerald. Keltner is a little lighter than what East Tennessee State listed him in in 2022 at 170. So he he's lost five pounds. Wow. I'm down a little thank bit. You for that insight there. On, uh-oh. Maybe a Let's more keep, We'll keep a close eye there on Keltner. Maybe a more impactful five pounds. You've got Keandre Jones over there, the offensive lineman transfer from Auburn, who was listed at six foot three forty last season by the Tigers starting off here at Florida state at six foot three, 335 pounds. And you would think with the way that Florida state utilizes their offensive guards as far, as far as pulling on these counter plays and just being athletic in general, getting up to the second level on linebackers, they're probably going to ask him to, to trim up a little bit throughout the tour of duty. And I would say the other offensive lineman, Jeremiah Byers, six foot four, 324 pounds, Casey Roddick, six foot four, 310 pounds they both come in in pretty pretty damn good shape and a guy I'm really excited about also on that offensive line and offensive line true freshman Lucas Simmons who is officially the tallest player on Florida State's roster right now at a confirmed six foot eight and 307 pounds so I mean man that's got to be one that Florida State's coaching staff the string staff is just drooling over to to get him in that weight room and start building him up because Simmons could end up being a monster. Including me. I'm salivating as you were talking about it. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you are. But then, yeah, like I mentioned I with sadly. Like I mentioned with Green Jr., then you've also got Kyle Morlock, who comes in an inch shorter, 15 pounds lighter than what he was listed at at a coincidentally shorter college uh, from the D2 level. He's six foot six, 230. So you would think he's probably going to have to add some weight. Uh, yeah, I mentioned Lamont. Then outside of that, Gilbert Edmond coming a little bit, coming in smaller as well at six foot four, two hundred forty-five pounds compared to the six foot five, two fifty that he was listed at. And other than that, maybe the only one worth mentioning, uh, Jaden Jones, a little bit smaller as well. He was listed at six foot six, two forty this past season. Right now, six foot five, two hundred and thirty pounds, according to Florida State. It makes sense. He's a little lighter because we've talked about on the show before. But he's currently rehabbing from an ACL injury that he suffered. Probably not able to do as much um, conditioning at, at this point. So he's lost a little weight during that time. But you can expect him to start bulking up now that he's at Florida State in a legitimate a legitimate college strength and conditioning program. This is where the fun begins. Offseason is here. So we're going to talk some size, weight, height, how guys are looking, jersey numbers. It's the best time of the year in January. So uh, 
we'll keep an eye on some of those changes there as they fluctuate on the roster. Uh, we heard from Jeremiah Byers today, along with Fentrell Cypress and Kaziah Holmes. We actually haven't been able to hear, hear from Kaziah. He has been with the program. Uh, he transferred from Penn State in August of 2022. Couldn't play, but he will be available and a full participant going into the 2023 season. Uh, you know, Kaziah, one thing that stood out to me, told me or told you know the media that he has a lot of playing style that is really similar to Trey Benson and. Uh, he said he's got his own characteristics, but he felt like a lot those two, you know, have the same kind of run style. And I'm interested to see a lot more out of him. You know, I've we get questions in Discord and also in the chat about, you know, what does cut, you know, what does he look like? And you know, we only see him a few times in scout, and it's really hard to evaluate. And I don't also don't want to just just blab on about scout team stuff going on. Once we get a good look at Kaziah Holmes running through with first, second, third, second, three, you know, team, you know, we're looking at two. You know, Florida State and Coach Yak, you know, Ronnie Hill has gotten reps with first, second team. You know, a lot running back room gets a lot of reps no matter, you know, where you're at on the depth chart. So we'll see a lot of Keziah Holmes uh, during the spring. Uh, you know, we heard from Fentrell Cypress. Uh, Jeremiah Byers is a big guy, big guy. Um, but tomorrow we'll be hearing – that's all I can say about Jeremiah Byers. He's just a big dude. But he talked a lot about the connection that he had with – Alex Atkins, and, you know, there's some other schools involved, including Maryland. There's also Ohio State, but, you know, he felt like the relationship he had with Coach Atkins was real. He was telling the truth, and that really sealed the deal for him. So um, we heard from them on Wednesday, and then tomorrow we'll be hearing from Florida State defensive tackle transfer from Miami, Daryl Jackson Jr. We will be hearing from transfer Casey Roddick, who came from Colorado, offensive lineman, uh, then we'll start hitting some freshmen with KJ Kirkland, defensive back. We'll also be hearing from Lamont Green Jr. of that 2022 class, the guy that 2023 2023 class that began it all, and then tight end Jaheim Bell, Jaheim Bell, uh, South Carolina tight end transfer, which that will be a pretty good interview because media you guys didn't get to talk to him whenever he came and made his visit down to Tallahassee so it'll be good to really pick his brain on why he picked Florida State and talk about you know Florida State's offense behind Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins and what they're doing there should be an intriguing morning as we hear from some of these newcomers and I think another thing to note with Florida State turning the page on last year unveiling this uh first iteration of the 2023-2024 roster for this spring semester, a guy that none of us maybe expected to still be here, listed at number 71, Demetri Emanuel, who grad transferred to Florida State last offseason. Uh, we were expecting him to move on, having exhausted his college eligibility following the 2022 season, but it seems like there's a possibility of a waiver on the table. And just looking back through his career, I believe he missed the 2019 season at Charlotte. It was either the 2018 or 2019 season that he missed um, due to an injury that he suffered. And now Florida State going through that waiver process. And as for now, keeping him on the roster. So that'll be something to monitor throughout the next couple of weeks, the months, as hopefully a decision is made there. And, you know, if you keep Emmanuel around, you're really only losing – Dylan Gibbons and Jazz and Turnitine from that offensive line rotation, adding in three more guys out of the transfer portal and some young guys on the roster that are growing, um, plenty of experience back as well. Uh, so, I mean, man, you've got to be really excited 
with the way that unit is trending at the moment, especially if they get this waiver. And Emmanuel was a nice surprise last year. He was arguably the second best offensive lineman. And then, no, so to get him back, that, that'd be big for that line and, and some of the stability so that even if guys continue to go down with injuries, it's a ton of depth in that room. Yeah, I really like Dimitri. I really do. Consistency and can stay out there and stay healthy. So uh, having a guy like that, it would be huge to bring back for a second year behind Alex Atkins. Kind of already knows how that system works. So why not? Definitely if you're intending on trying to make a run here like Florida State is, bringing back experienced linemen would be huge. So it only progresses you what you want to do offensively and what Norvell likes to do. Uh, let's end it off here with some basketball VZ because, man, that kind of shocked me there when the notific- notific- notification came up on my phone that Florida State went up and beat Notre Dame on the road. Well, really wasn't expecting that. They got their first win of the season outside of Tallahassee. What's, uh, what, what's the vibes like? And what's also, do we have any, any kind of update on Baba? I know that he was dealing with a sickness, tonsillitis. Yeah, he played uh, last night against Notre Dame, they said they almost thought he was going to have to have his tonsils removed, which would have been Damn. a crazy scenario. Um, you know, he said 16 games, comes back for one game, and then he has, sits out with tonsillitis, and they're talking about it getting removed. Talk about... Could they cut those things out in November? I mean, come yeah. On. Just, the NCA did this. I'm blaming the NCA. <laughs> they they did this. They just just crazy off. timing. Um and being at that first game in Wake Forest, you know, just all the hype and anticipation for him to get on the on the court, and he is just gassed. He was so tired in that Wake Forest game. He was tired yesterday against Notre Dame. Um, it, it's going to take him a couple games to to get into playing shape. You can tell, but th- there's a lot to like there. But man, that Notre Dame game was an anomaly of all anomalies. They were up thirty-two to eight, nine minutes into the game, just making everything in sight. Darren Green was making. St- step back fades and tough corner threes. Notre Dame couldn't buy a layup. I think they missed three straight point blank layups in about a two minute span. And you're looking like, is is Florida state going to win this game by 50? Then they put Marcus Hammond in Caleb Mills sits with two fouls and Notre Dame goes with two, three zone. And it's a 10 point game at halftime. Um, Florida state's ugly rear end showed with the, with the zone offense again, kind of going back to last season. Second half, you get Caleb Mills back in there. You get your secondary ball handler. It was much better. Matthew Cleveland finished with his eighth straight double-double, just a couple short um, of the Florida State record. Uh, I believe he's only two short for consecutive double-doubles in a season. Jalen Worley had a career high in points. He was really good, especially in the second half. Wasn't afraid to have the ball in his hands and go to the free throw line. Um, and I thought Cameron Corn did a really good job against Nate Lashevsky, who's one of the better players in the ACC and, was not good against Florida State last night. It was, it was a great win. I, I did not expect Florida State to come away with a double-digit win uh, against a team like Notre Dame that can, frankly, shoot the lights out of it when they want to. And last night was not one of those nights. I sadly couldn't watch it, so I can't give any analysis on that. I was down in Tampa. Couldn't watch it, sadly. It I went was, out to it dinner. Was, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was surprisingly fun to watch. It was it was the most fun I've had watching a Florida State game all season. Um and now they have a pretty brutal stretch coming up going at Pitt on Saturday, which has already been a house of horrors for Florida State as a yeah. program. And Pitt's actually kind of good this season. There's, I think there's six and two in ACC play. They just beat Louisville on the road, which, you know, not saying anything, but they're better than they've been in the past. And that's already been a house of horrors, like I mentioned. Can't remember Florida State ever winning there. 
Uh, I think they won. Ooh. Yeah. I think it was – was it the Scotty Barnes year? Like, nonsense – Probably not since Pitt got in the ACC. No, nah, it was they won recently. I think it was two years ago. I'm pretty certain on it. Um, hmm. but I'm I'm also pretty certain it's the only time we've ever won up there, because when, like when I first started working with the team, that was the first road trip I ever got, and that's when they still had Cam Johnson before he transferred to UNC, and we lost by I think it was 27. They absolutely smoked Damn. us. Then you go to the 2019 season where it's just Florida State's best team ever, and they lose the first game of the year at Pitt. Um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they won two years ago at Pitt, the Scotty Barnes year. And then today – oh, no, that was the last game that they played up there. It was It was that game, and then the year before that was the, was the first game of the year. It, it's a house of horrors. I can't imagine that it's going to go well, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed, baby. Fingers crossed. I wanted to mention, too, Terrence Mann setting that new regular season career high. 31. Um, yeah, shout out to him. Great performance there. He's He's been starting games recently, too. I think he started the last six or seven games for the for the Clippers because they've needed some point guard play. And, you know, he's, for some reason, their most reliable point guard with John Wall and Reggie Jackson on the roster. Um, kind of speaks to the level that Terrence Mann's been playing at. And, you know, credit to him. Uh, he, he deserves everything that he's he's going to get these next couple of years. Crazy to see how it's working out for him in L.A. right now. That's for sure. He's built building a heck of a career for himself. And and it's crazy. Last time we talked, we were talking about how Scotty Barnes was kind of not playing as well. These last two weeks, he's been on an absolute tear. I think he's averaging like 21 and 8. Damn. Um, now you just, just jinxed him. Yeah. Yeah, but that didn't sound like wood. That didn't sound like wood. Between us and the and the Bill Simmons podcast, where they were just railing him, just trashing him left and right, uh, he cut. He comes out with a stretch he's led over the last two weeks has really shut some people up. Which you know he kind of needed to. He, he was off to a rough start for the season. True. Well, we'll keep an eye on those those guys and the pros, and then also Florida State as they'll be taking on. On the road, it's not going to be easy, but that game is going to be at 3 o'clock this weekend on Saturday. So we will have a preview for that. Uh, is that it, everybody? I think that's everything. I don't think there's anything else worth mentioning. Um, you know, we kind of had two back-to-back guests on the show. We'll see if we'll have one the next couple of weeks. We're hoping so. We're trying to, you know, try to get some – entertainment for you guys because things are obviously starting to get a little bit slower and slower as we go but we're going to try to bring on some guests for you guys and honestly it's been great getting some insight uh, yep. from these current guys that are on staff including tony tokars last week and definitely from derek this evening spending a good amount of time with us too so uh, shout out to derek for hopping on with us earlier and should have some recruiting stuff popping up for us eight hosting a junior day this weekend. They're also on Saturday. There'll also be some guys coming in on Friday and it sounded like next weekend, uh, Saturday, the 28th is going to be a pretty big day as well. But as far as this weekend, you got some guys coming in like five-star Camp Davis, four-star quarterback, Luke Croman, Croman Hawk, um, four-star defensive back, CJ Hurd. And then as far as targets, top 100 defensive end, Dylan Stevenson and, bunch of other talented guys, some four stars, uh, some 2025 prospects, guys that Florida State's already offered, guys that are top targets, and then also guys that they're evaluating who could earn offers. Kind of a, a mix uh, of different prospects and their respective recruitments coming in this weekend. So 
should be a, a fun time out there, I'm sure. Yep, hopefully with some better weather than like unlike uh, you had last Derek weekend when it was cold as crap. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was really it was really cold and then it started to warm up and I was still wearing I I learned last year, you know, I don't care if I look like a baby or what. I'm I'm dressing warm. So I had on <laughs> I had on the hoodie, I had on the beanie, I, I had some tights on under the sweatpants. I was bundled oh up to, to say uh, to say the least. To say the least, I was bundled up. You uh, wuss. And then Coach uh, Atkins uh, walked by and just laughed at me. And he's like, it's man. not that cold. And then he walked into his nice, warm building. So, I mean. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Lordy day. I'm sure any Northerners that are win. listening to this or in the chat, please set him straight. But, yeah, I think that's going to do it for the show this evening. Appreciate Derek hopping on here with us. Um, we will be back live on Wednesday at 8 o'clock. We'll let you guys know on Twitter if we have a, a guest lined up for you guys. But either way, you'll be seeing our faces. So appreciate everybody listening. As always, you can listen on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on Spotify, I think now you can even do ratings over there. Make sure you subscribe there along with iTunes or even YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcasts. But yeah, appreciate everybody hopping on here with us. As always, we'll see you guys next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Peace. Mama told me not to Five, same color t-shirt.